Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activist empowerment talk radio, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Matt Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens! Coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening. For you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. Good evening. Good evening and welcome to Our Common Ground. My name is Alpha. I'll be sitting in for Janice. Janice is um, away tending to her mother who is ill and our prayers are with her. Hopefully um, everything will work out just fine. So if you all would simply join me in prayer. We have, um, it's a Saturday night, it's open mic. And it's open mic because there's a need, there's a serious need to speak on, speak about, cover, and simply figure it out, what's going on and what is going on in our political environment and what we need to do in our community. Simply said, we can't wait for someone to save us. We must save ourselves. We must reach out. We must teach. We must spread the knowledge that we have. We must give the young shoulders to stand on, just as we've stood on shoulders of great ones. So this will be an open mic night tonight, and I would encourage any and everyone, if you would simply like to chime in, chime in on whatever subject. Maybe you want to chime in on how this Republican primary is going and simply the ridiculous meeting the sublime and the silly those snake oil salesmen and canards who would be their nominee for president. 
as opposed to a collegial thinker, a critical thinker, someone who was looking out for the middle class and the nation and someone who wants to see us progress. When you get right down to it, there's going to be a choice, and the choice will be a very clear choice. Do you want to go with the one percenter, the man who can't get a story straight, the man who will tell a lie in a heartbeat, the man who's a flip-flopper like a crappie on a dry, hot dock? Well, that kind of covers both of them. But right now, the wind has shifted. Remember a week ago, it was Newt Gingrich who was riding high. He was riding high, and things looked his way. He was getting $5 million from a Sheldon Adelson, and this week his wife gave another $5 million. But in a state as large as Florida, he's run out of money. He's basically done. And it didn't help him that um, his attempted default practice of attacking the media, he wasn't expecting to be bitten by a wolf. No blitz. <laughs> wolf blitz are bit back. And he didn't get the carnival atmosphere, the, the circus-like audience that he had in South Carolina. Because people, I think they've simply gotten wise to what uh, Newt has been doing. Earlier today, Newt Gingrich was an hour late to an event. And this particular event was um, supposed to have at least 500 people. There were seatings for at least 500 people. So somehow... Newt was 55 minutes late. And not only was he 55 minutes late, but there, um, there were only 60 people there. And they came up with the number 60. I think someone counted heads. Well, he was 55 minutes late. And he immediately went into this um, uh, seven minutes of remarks. And uh, the first thing he started, tried it was the fact that his opponent had much the, the, as much money as he could, you know, endless waves of money. And this should tell you something, that the establishment has reached out their tentacles, their feelers, and they've literally told people, don't give any more money to Newt. He's wrecking our candidate. And their candidate has to be Mitt Romney. They must settle on Mitt Romney. Frothy Santorum has gone home because his message hasn't caught on in Florida. And Ron Paul, well, Ron Paul is hanging on like a like a bad sore, like a bad memory, like a nightmare. And he's not going to quit. He's not going to stop. He's looking for freedom and liberty. And, oh, by the way, there are now three people who've come out and said he knew exactly what were in, what was in those uh, newsletters. 
I've heard uh, people try to offer up the YouTubes that um, Ron Paul isn't bigoted, that Ron Paul is this. He delivered black babies for free and just the whole nine yards. Now a former secretary has come forth, and she's claiming that he knew exactly what was it, what was in those newsletters. And one very interesting um, little tidbit came out that what they were trying to do was um, get more attention and, 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 you know, increase their circulation. And once he added the racial bits and pieces, he went from 700,000 circulation to over 3 million in circulation. So the racial aspect was very good for him. And now he believes that he can come before the American people and tell them that he knew nothing about what was in those newsletters, where, well, there are three people who used to work there say different. So Ron Paul will continue to cling on. He's going to hang in there as long as he possibly can. And uh, I think that's all the way to the convention. You know, four years ago, Ron Paul had his own convention. He simply opted out of what they were doing. So Ron Paul will hang around, and Ron Paul will be there. But from what it looks like now, New Gingrich could very well be done. I suspect he will get more money from Edelman or his wife. But um, this um, this guy Edelman, he's worth $21 billion. He's got Koch brother money. So Newt may not be done. And what is strange about this whole scenario Mitt Romney leads him in Florida by nine points now. And um, Newt Gingrich leads Mitt Romney nationwide, a nationwide poll. So this is going to be interesting. And it's going to be interesting because um, Newt Gingrich could, could do a lot of damage. Well, he already has done a great deal of damage. But there are questions that I don't think... Um, the uh, Obama campaign will let slide. You know, four years ago, <clears throat> um, Mitt Romney released 28 years, <clears throat> excuse me, 28 years of tax returns. Now he's only releasing one. Now, his disclosure statement was faulty. There were things he did not disclose, so there needs to be a demand, a call, for him to release more of his tax records because obviously he's hiding something. And that should be a narrative until he produces at least from 84 to 98 when he first entered Bain Capital. And for someone who speaks about America and having the American values. He sure has a lot of money in Europe, in Switzerland, Luxembourg, Cayman Islands, Bermuda. He's real American until it comes to hiding his money in tax shelters. These havens, these these offshore banks were created, they were startups for organized crime. <clears throat> 
and that's how they hid their money and hid their dealings. So who is Mitt Romney doing business with? And that's a question that needs that begs, and it needs to be answered because, as Newt Gingrich's new ad says, if he'll lie to get into office, and they all do it. Can you see him in office <clears throat> telling people one thing while he does it? Well, he's Republican. I'm sorry. That's what they do. So, like I said, there will be a stark contrast as to who you want to place your vote with. And we'll be able to see who will come out on top. And, of course, my money is going to stay with uh, the president, the incumbent one. Let me see, 347-838-9852-610-610, welcome to our common ground, and I respect you. Uh, yes, welcome, Hotep. Good afternoon, good evening. Another Brock over here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And you know Where? I respect you and yours. Where are you from? <laughs> Philadelphia. Brother Brock, how you doing? Doing, city. <laughs> doing all right, doing all right. And it sounds like you said open mic, but at the same time, I'm quite sure uh, the topics will continue to be the political arena and not only does it have mainstream's attention but it also has uh each and every one of our attention as well. It's so much on the line these days with the uh tea bag tea party with the governors that are trying their best to dismantle anything and everything related to common decency and a living wage. Um, it's, it's as if it's as if the governors don't have any family members outside of politics because apparently politicians have, and I'm, when I say apparently, I already know they do. Apparently politicians have the best benefit package in the world, but apparently they feel as though no one else needs to have anything remotely close to the benefit package that they have, including whatever local unions there are, collective bargaining agreements or organizations there are. They want to break anything and everything, but they themselves want it all without anybody, without having anybody know that they have it. They don't want anything they have to be taken from them, but they want to take everything from anyone else. And it's just, it's, an, it's it's more than an insult. It, it's, it, I wonder, how, I'm really trying to find out how people can vote for that. And we've talked about it numerous amount of times, people that vote in the, against their own best interests. But has anybody ever interviewed or talked to these voters who, don't see it a problem, 
that the politicians have everything and the politicians are taking away from they themselves. I would love to hear an interview to get the rationale of how they think. And I want, you know, and, and so has anyone else, you or anybody in the listener audience here, Blog Talk family, how is it that the, that the voter can vote for so many of those things? Because, you know, it's not like I'm different. So what makes people vote against their best interests? Well, Brother Buck, really, I believe that what you are seeing is, is as they've always done, it's not, it's not a matter. They don't believe it's against their best interests. They believe that somehow they've bought into a, a narrative that someone the – Someone is trying to take something from them that they don't have, and in this particular case, they look at they look at it as the the takers are trying to get from the makers, and that they fed into a narrative that business has worked with tax cuts. These this idea of tax cuts, and there's no uh, there's no jobs to show for it. The fact that you've got corporations sitting on trillions, you've got the banks sitting on trillions, and nobody's nobody's uh, getting getting anything out of it. And the, the only thing they're squeezing are public sector jobs. That's the only thing they are squeezing. And it seems to have it seems to have um rocked our the foundation. You see <clears throat> when they have all of the all of the governors and that's another story because the Republican governor the the Republican Governors Association uh there are people looking into how they've laundered the money. And re and redistributed it to the states. They um, they made a killing in 2010. They replaced. They took over a lot of the state houses, and they've taken yep. over the state houses with, I would say, laundered money. And that was one of the topics that uh, that came based to light. Based on citizens, based on that so-called that citizens reform act, uh, Congress, the, not, the Supreme was, Court. This wasn't Citizens United. <clears throat> this wasn't Citizens United. This was before Citizens United had, had really kicked in. And what they what what seems to have happened is that you have a you have a a litany of questions as to how they've laundered this money and poured it back into the states. And I didn't get the full story, the full article. I was actually uh, on the move as the story, as I heard the story break out. I was listening to Ring of Fire, and uh, they broke the story as far as how they are looking into how the RGA has been laundering the money and re, you know, and sending it out to the states as though it was, it was, you know, clean money. But um, it's it's going to be interesting as you know we get into what they are doing and how they've done it. And don't 
Don't put anything past them. They will do anything, anything to win. No, I'm not putting it past them. That's that's no. That's why I'm really hoping to hear more stories on on um, somebody on our side monitoring the 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 uh, voting registration booths. I mean, not booths, but the ballot box, because those Dibo ballot machines that were put in place based on uh, President George, former President George Bush and his um, big contribution family friend, and they wound up getting the whole contract for the for the for the system that we use now to vote on there, the uh, electronic ballot boxes. Between the hanging chads, between the, the ballots that are just outright thrown into the trash on so many different uh, cities around the country, and although we hear uh, the mantra from the Republican Party about uh, voter suppression and how they're spending all these millions of taxpayer dollars towards voter suppression, they're not doing it based on what I just said about the the, the former way that the Republicans used to steal elections. So um, I'm, I'm, it's, it's just it's just too confusing to, 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 to even me to attempt to describe it, I guess. I'm just lost for words as I even attempt to say what I want to say about this whole fiasco. Uh, just going back to that one comment on the um, voting against their special interest, like, like voting against their own interest, have, and I heard your answer, I'm Still puzzled because let's say someone does interview whoever this person is that votes against their their, their own interest, and that interviewer points out to them, look, this is what you're voting for. However, this actually hurts you, and then that person still votes that way. I've actually seen it. At, so at I've that actually- point, what is it? At that point, I'm actually rather than okay. rather than accept what you are saying as fact, yes. they will turn it around and tell you that. Uh, and what they do, they try to project. Oh, Obama's increased the, the debt by five million, by, by five trillion. Obama this, Obama that. It, it gets to a point where. What are you going to do? It gets to a point at to you know how do you how do you deal with someone that you can't reach mentally? I mean, how do you get there? How do you how do you try to explain to a grown up? With facts. And set in their ways. Someone set in their ways, huh? Just not listening. Good they are just not listening. Well, I hear you. And I thank you for the conversation. And uh, I'm, you know, every now and then I, I do see that some people do change over because, uh, you know, especially after going deep into the Internet, radio stations, and every now and then you'll hear different callers say that they used to be a Republican and that they've seen a light. So hopefully I'm not giving a, a, a blanket statement that all of that side is voting against their own interests. So there are a few here and there. I just hope 
extent we get more and more liberal media, more and more pushback, because the more pushback there is, the the, the better chance of people turning from what they think is in their best interest. And once they hear that message loud and clear, uh, the State of the Union address it was it was loud and clear at that address. But the but the, the the very minute it went off, and the talking heads started uh, letting the the other side have their way, the other side acted as if not one single word, one single sentence during that State of the Union address was 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 worth listening to or made any sense. So. Um, where was the good fact checking doing that? It was just too much room for the other side to spew their garbage, which allowed for that entire message to be turned around to us, uh, probably to a large segment of people. So I wish that didn't take place the way it did. They they gave that other side just just too much credit. But once again, I've always said the the media is the same as a tea bag, tea party, in my opinion. So I don't I don't see the difference. So that just proves my point. So I'm gonna hang up and uh, listen in the background and, and uh, hit this chat room and and keep on giving me the support you deserve. Thank you, thank you very much, Brother Brock. Thank you for your call. That's Brother Brock from Philadelphia, PA. I have a difficult time figuring out what's going on here, but um, I can't click into the chat room. There's um, interference coming from somewhere. Let's see. I see a 908. 908, thank you for your call and thank you for waiting. Welcome to our common ground. 908. Maybe 908 is just listening. Okay, to mute. 626, thank you for your call and welcome to our common ground. Alpha, this is Covina, man. Covina, uh, man, yeah. how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm uh, in the chat room, I'm Black uh, Brotherhood, so that's, like, uh, that's me in the chat room. But, uh, yeah, man, I was listening to Brother Brock, and, and he's sitting up there trying to wonder why... They don't, you know, they don't vote in their own self-interest, and I think, you know, as as you look at them, they're really, you know, their own self-interest is really about something else. Like when we see a self-interest, we're thinking about what's going to benefit us. How can how can the society benefit the most amount of people? They don't see it that way. They see it as they're in a privileged position. They're in a, they're in a position of privilege over people over the whole planet or people in this country, different race privileges that they have, and they're trying to conserve conserve those privileges. And if they're on the outside looking in economically, they feel like at least they're above the black man. At least like, you know, the, the, the white woman knows that she can point her face or point her finger in the in the black man's face, even if he's president of the United States. You know, it's like they have that that uh, white privilege that they that they enjoy, and as long as they can be easily distracted by religion and race issues, you know, they 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 will never you know vote in their economic self interest because a lot of them, you know they 
they can be poor and they really don't care as long as they know there's an N-word that's below them. Because <laughs> man, you're not you're not far off. You're absolutely right. They that there needs to be a feeling of I'm better than you, and that seems to be what it is. There needs to be that feeling of I am, you know, of entitlement. Exactly. Okay. I mean, yeah. just just the entitlement itself seems to have that effect when you get right down to it you have to be able to say are you kidding me (laughs) because that seems to be the case Um, I want to thank old Henry for putting this particular article in the chat room about Rick Perry's return home but uh, you know Covino ma'am I believe that they don't need much of a reason to clear their mind that what they are doing is simply is hatred, is is bigoted hatred. And they they figured that the Republicans have done such a good job of demonizing unions, of demonizing government, of vilifying public workers, of making people believe that Somehow government workers are getting more than they deserve. With statements like, God, the government doesn't create jobs. Well, tell that to the millions that are unemployed. Would they take a government job today? You better believe they would. And you can't tell people or get it through their head that right to work means right to work for less. The people who are in right-to-work states make $5,000 less than those who are in a union state. And and that's the kind of argument that they would respond with. No, I don't. I make so-and-so and 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 such-and-such. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the average wage for people in right-to-work states is $5,000 less than the union states, not just that, but 21% higher uninsured from health care in right-to-work states. Okay. number of people, they're 21% higher, and not to mention the fact that it's 51% more on-the-job accidents because if you leave the free market to regulate themselves, they always come down on the side of the dollar and of profit. And that seems to be one of their biggest problems. That seems to be the, you know, the, the drawback of all drawbacks. Exactly. Yeah, what I want to add, too, man, is if you if you look at, like, Fox News and whatever, you know, that they'll criticize education. They call it, like, educated people elitists and, and things like that. Well, while they try to miseducate their audience, because you know it's a well-known fact that if you if people uh, you know watch fat, watch Fox News, they're the most uneducated people in the country, and they, and they get you know educated about the facts wrong, you know, and that's that's been you know proven statistically, and the and the way they're able to do it is what they they take their information and instead of giving 
facts to let people decide what's going on, they will paint everything in a political way. So if they're going to talk about unions, they're going to talk about something that's done with a political bent. So they don't, it doesn't matter what the facts are. Like, you would give the facts because you, you study facts and you're a critical thinker. They don't want their audience to be critical thinkers. They paint everything in a political bent that unions are bad, so they just keep that mantra going over and over again. The unions are doing this and the unions are doing that. And when you usually get a, a guest on to refute, and a guest will sit there and, and, and say the same facts that you would say, and they would just, they won't even respond to it. They'll just go on to the same thing. Well, well don't you think that the unions are will, will, will destroy jobs? Well, don't you think the unions will, will burn the flag? Don't you think that it will just go so so far off any point of revel, uh, relevance that the conversation gets wacky? If you just listen, watch like, uh, you know, uh, Neil Cavuto or any of those uh, business shows they put on Fox, it's just a complete joke and misinformation. I just sit back and go, man, these people are just dumb. Well, they, 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 they're in a bubble. And see, that's what, earlier today during, during my show earlier today, I pointed out um, that, you know, these, these folks at um, the Rupert Murdoch News Corp, they have this way of literally corrupting the media of journalism. They have arrested four more News Corp Murdoch-affiliated workers, and they work for The Sun. The Sun is the uh, is another tabloid newspaper in England. And if you remember, The Sun applied, they were trying to get into Canada, and Canada said no. And Canada cited the the uh, quarrelsome, disputatious attitude that News Corp and Rupert Murdoch bring to, you know, journalism. And they right. kept them out of uh, Canada. And now it turns out that there have been four more people arrested for, and they work for The Sun, along with a police officer. And they arrested him at his work. So... My question is this. To get an FCC license, you must be a, a person in good standing. You must be a person of credibility. Rupert Murdoch no longer qualifies. The mere fact that police officers and politicians in a foreign land were bribed is a felony in this country. And the FCC should deny Rupert Murdoch any kind of a license to operate at, at any on any level. Thus, there goes Fox News. And despite all of the outcry from those who listen to Fox News, I'm pretty sure that there will be, you know, someone else along to bring them GOP TV. And that's all it is, is GOP TV. The James Murdoch has stepped down, Rupert Murdoch, and it's falling like a house of cards. They're under they're under serious scrutiny in Australia, and it's just I think it's just a matter of time before, you know, they will be simply wiped out. 
but I'm not holding my breath because, you know, they have lawyers. They have people in black robes who are on their payroll, on the down low, on their payroll. And the thing is, they don't even have to be on the down low. They can be on the up and up. It's, 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 it's so corrupted that, you know, the Supreme Court is corrupt, and they're corrupt right in your face. And there's really nothing you can do about it. Well, see, you didn't have to start talking about the United States Supreme Court now. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> I mean, who could be any more? When is, you know, when are people going to begin to question the rule of law? There is no fidelity to the law. It's who is bought and paid for. Look at the, what, what state is that? Uh, is that Alabama? Where they're trying to, uh, where the judge rule Obama has to come in and testify and he won't be on the ballot. Is that is this ridiculous? And Orly Tates is still out there with, you know, this birther nonsense. And it gets to a point where, you know, she, she's been fined $20,000 for bringing frivolous action. Now she's simply representing people who are bringing frivolous action. And the court should strike that down and find those people also. You know, I think uh, <clears throat> if they don't want to keep them off the ballot in Alabama, I say, uh, you know, so what on him? He's he going to win anyway. So he, he, he ain't going to need Alabama uh, anyway. He's going to get that 270 uh, with, with the other states around him. So uh, they can't be. You know, these white supremacists can try to do what they want to do. But uh, in the end, it's just gonna be outnumbered, man, because uh, you know that, that's why that's why they're trying to hold on to their whiteness and their white supremacy and their privilege so much because they know that you know their time might be up, and, and Obama is scared. Well, Henry told me it was Georgia that they're doing that, but Alabama, Georgia, <laughs> yeah, it don't matter. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> It don't matter. They can ban them in all of them Confederate states. It don't matter. <laughs> He's going to win anyway. So it's like it's like they can ban them in Texas and Arkansas and, and Mississippi and, they, you know, whatever they want to do. The rest of the states are going to make up for it, and they ain't going to win anyway. So, uh, you know, they, they're trying to fight the Civil War, and uh, they're going to lose it again. Well, I'm anxious to... Um... You know, we've got ten more months of this to <laughs> to go through, um, and you know we're we're going to see, but it's going to be a long ten months of a lot of hatred and a lot of vitriol. I mean, it gets to you know, don't they ever get tired? <laughs> hey, hey, they're making ever... a lot of money. They're making a lot of money. There's a lot of no bid contracts waiting. For, they're just trying to hope that, uh, you know, uh, what's his name, uh, Oh Willard gets in, and uh, so he he can uh, hook up Bain Capital with the they'll be the next Halliburton and getting all the no big contracts. So you know, there's a lot of people waiting for the for the uh, inside trading handout. Yeah, they didn't they didn't they didn't like that when the president said that. He, He's looking for a bill to stop their inside of trading. They didn't like that at all. No, because that's how they get all their money. That's how, you know, 
if, if if you stop that, what they gonna do about uh you know next time they go to war when they wanna divide up the uh you know the oil fields and stuff that they they trying to do? It's like you know they know they don't want to stop that, but but you know if Obama tried to do it, you know, and they'll try to stop that. Whatever he trying to do, they gonna try to stop it. So you know it it, it really don't matter, man, because the rest of us the rest of us know that their jig is up. Polls are showing it, you know, uh, Romney is like, you know, five points behind, and, and, and Obama ain't even running against him yet. But what are they going to do when he started running against him? Well, I think that the, that the five or six points that Romney's behind, I think that's going to hold steady. And out of all the polling that's done, the uh, triple P polling, the public polling, Whatever PPP polling, they have. I have found them to be the most accurate. And all of the races that have been that have been run, and through 2010 and even through 2008, I found them to be the most accurate when it comes to polling. So I tend to lean their way, and uh, they have him uh, ahead of Romney by anywhere from five to seven points. But uh, Mitt Romney, vetting Mitt Romney is going to be a very interesting undertaking. And I just just hope that uh, they demand more tax returns because, like I said, he released 28 years. He gave John McCain 28 years of tax returns. And since his disclosure statement had errors in it and was faulty, I would have to say he needs to release a quite a great deal more of his tax returns so we can see how much of his money is in offshores in Switzerland, Luxembourg, Germany, Bahamas, the Cayman Islands because that needs to be a um there needs to be a, uh, a reckoning. Exactly. But yeah, it all it should all come out. But uh, I mean, I want to thank you for taking my call, man. That, that you know, I always listen to you, you man. You uh, you keep it real on the politics, man. Hey, thanks a lot, Covino, man. I appreciate it. All right. all right, thank you. All right, all right. Um, that was a, that's an interesting story. Uh, from about the is that a newspaper? Is that a Jewish newspaper, Henry? That's uh. Give me a call and tell me about that because I heard about that earlier, and I wasn't sure, um, you know, about the story. And I, I searched for it. Well, I didn't search too hard, but I kind of glossed over the search to find out if that was uh, if that was an individual. But you're saying it's a full, it's an entire newspaper. Ah, if Iran gets nukes. The Mossad should assassinate Obama. Hmm. That that goes over real big. <laughs> that goes over real big, and they should have to explain that to the Secret Service. <laughs> just for mentioning, just for bringing it up, I um, I did want to share something with you and um I'm still laughing at it because it uh it broke out uh, earlier I I guess it was yesterday 
that I did come across this. And it, it, it literally had me in tears because um, I, I'll I'll try to set the <laughs> I'll try to set the same um, the same uh, environment the same scenario as I saw it as I you know as it, when I when I first heard it because it reminded me of a um, of an episode well not an episode it reminded me of a, a take. Of um, in the Princess Bride, with um, what's his name, um, Billy Crystal. He was the doctor who was supposed to bring back uh, bring back to life the uh, the actor who was playing um, whatever his name was. <laughs> but uh, it, it reminded me of the. Um, medieval days, the medieval times. And when I say it reminded me of the medieval times, I had played it and I made sure I downloaded it to the to these files. And even though I labeled it, it seems to be eluding me at this point. <laughs> it seems to be Avoiding my search, but um, it reminds me of a peasant who's unhappy with the royalty because that's exactly what it sounded like. Wow. Well, I'll continue to search for it, but until then, look. Um, our common ground with Janice Graham. Like I said, I'm Alpha, and I'm sitting in for Janice this evening. Janice is uh, in Florida, uh, attending to her mother who's very ill, so our prayers go out to Janice. And uh, here's the particular script. Because I respect the hardworking people of Wisconsin, I will continue to be a good steward of the taxpayer's dollar. Now you tell me the woman doesn't sound like a peasant screaming at the king. That was Scott Walker, governor under recall. And uh, that was the state of the state address that he gives every year. Now, mind you, the the, uh, gallery was packed full of Walker supporters and all of the Republicans got their people in. And this one woman, well, actually there were about four of them because he he was interrupted four times. And um, this particular woman just, I mean, this and I've and I had to wade through the clip, and I just wanted these little 11 seconds of this particular speech. Because I respect the hardworking people of Wisconsin, I will continue to be a good steward of the taxpayer's dollar. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. But um, Scott Walker, and there is um, there is uh, interesting. Interesting uh, things that have come to light uh, 
they've arrested um, two more people. And this uh, Scott Walker, um, when did you know? Who who did you know? What did you know? And when did you know it? There's one person who is now going to cooperate before Scott Walker became governor. There was a secret email set up from a computer or from a, uh, uh, what do they call them, a server, a IP. Well, it was 20 feet away from the governor's office. Now, let us face it. He knows everything else. You mean to tell me this is something he didn't he doesn't know about? I'm looking at I'm looking at it like this. The lady who is uh now cooperating with the feds, I'm pretty sure she's gonna flip on him. I'm pretty sure she's gonna flip on him. And I don't know how this is gonna turn out, but I don't think it's gonna turn out well. this why can't I I don't know something keeps knocking me out of the chat room <laughs> someone is logging on and I don't know they keep knocking me out of the chat room but I will carry on and that particular piece is from the Wisconsin the governor of Wisconsin now he is, and this is a federal uh, situation, so I can hear him now saying that it's Obama and his union cronies who've made all of this up. Now, this happened before he became governor. So this is an investigation that has been ongoing. And as a matter of fact, it was Scott Walker who brought the feds in. So... This is going to be very interesting. I do believe that someone is going to implicate him in this, but I think that the recall may get him first. They're doing everything they can to stretch this recall out. Um, a judge who would have thought, who would have seen it coming, a judge has given them 30 extra days to verify signatures, recall signatures. They're over a million. They got more than. They got about twice as what they needed. But a judge is given 30 days to verify more of these signatures. But um, I'm pretty sure, I'm very confident that, they, that he will be on the road to recall. And, of course, they're, they're going to force primaries with fake candidates. And they're going to challenge the validity of recalling him and they're going to go through every single parliamentary trick that they possibly can to hold up this recall. But in his neighboring state of Ohio, the Secretary of State is looking for the voter, voter ID law to be repealed, and here's why. The voter ID law is on the ballot for November. That voter initiative to that referendum will drive people to the polls, people to the polls, angry people to the polls. Therefore, presidency, Obama winning Ohio, 
is more than a 60-40 chance. But without that referendum on the ballot, they are looking at it as though people won't be so uh, pumped, eager, so willing to go to the polls, and they'll simply reintroduce the voter repeal after November. Now, what is that saying about sheer disingenuous, willful dishonesty? You've passed it. It's a referendum. They've gathered the signatures, and now you simply want to manipulate the legislation and repeal it so there's no need. I say leave it on the referendum, leave it on the ballot as a referendum. And of course they'll go to court to get, you know, this is about who your judges are, who you've put in place, and no one having fidelity to the law. It's like that with the Supreme Court, it's like that with the federal judges that Bush and Republicans have stacked the courts with, their people. And it seems to be working in some aspects of the rulings that come down throughout the nation. You know, you can't get a favorable ruling against a corporation in the district down there around Texas and in the south. They'll never go for it. They not, the judges will always shoot you down. Ninety-two percent of the time, the judges have with the corporations. You have to have been egregiously bad to have a conviction against you, and then they will appeal it and get the vert the award knocked down, as they did with the Exxon Valdez 25 years after the fact. Most of the people who would have benefited from that verdict or dead and gone. But that's our political environment. That's what we have. That's what we get for our participation. And the constant election of Republicans running this country. Am I back in the chat room? Yes. I tell you, I don't know what's going on, but I seem to be back. <laughs> Look, I want you to hear this tape. I, you have he- you've heard me speak about the Koch brothers. You've heard me speak about the 85 think tanks that they fund or they have created, that they are involved with. And this is just another something that think tanks have done and what they do. This is in two parts. Yesterday, Bill Gates said he doesn't think people like him are paying enough in taxes. I I promise you, uh, Warren Buffett's doing fine, Bill Gates is doing fine, I'm doing fine. We, yeah, they're definitely doing fine. We, and that was President Obama earlier today talking about shared responsibility in a crowd in Michigan. And lo and behold, the Koch brothers' name came up from the crowd. The right-wing billionaires were also the focus of a heated exchange at a recent House Energy Committee meeting. 
The subject was the Keystone Pipeline proposal, a plan President Obama has yet to give a permit to. Congressman Henry Waxman, a top Democrat on the committee, called for a minority hearing on the pipeline requesting testimony from somebody from the Koch industry, one of their officials. Waxman said the Koch brothers could financially benefit from the pipeline. Republicans, well, they didn't want to hear anything like that. It's important we hear from the Koch and other stakeholders. I think this pipeline is a bad idea. It ignores the concerns of the... Gentleman's time has expired. I would also tell the gentleman we, we will certainly accept the letter and we will follow the rules, but we are not going to be subpoenaing the Koch brothers and we're not asking the Koch brothers to appear because the brothers have nothing to do with this project. Well, how does at this, time, know that at this time, I would like to... Point of order, Mr. Chairman, you've made a statement where you were not recognized for the time. You cut me out in the middle of a session. Yeah. I'd like to know the substantiation for your... Your time was up. I'm joined by Robert Greenwald tonight, founder and president of Brave New Films. Robert, I think that was a very interesting exchange because that there are people on Capitol Hill who, for lack of a better term, are protecting the Koch brothers what would be so bad about bringing them in for testimony to find out what their connection might be? What do you make of that exchange? Right out, the chairman of that committee was having none of it. He gaveled the silence of Waxman. Now, <laughs> what was funny about that particular exchange, all of a sudden he just told him his time was up. And Waxman had only been speaking for seconds, just a few seconds. And that is the problem. This particular chairman of this committee is bought and paid for. Here's the second part. Well, I think it was a very good exchange. What it doesn't say in the video that we're going to release Monday will say the chairman who was cutting off Waxman has gotten, I think it was twenty-five or $30,000 from the Koch brothers. So there's a very direct connection between the people they're funding and what the elected officials will do in pursuit of the Koch's economic self-interest. And as the president said, you know, they've made billions just in the last few years. You've got a film coming out about the Koch brothers' influence on American college and university campuses. Here's a clip. Their hope setting up a pattern where universities are expected to give up their values in exchange for money. Programs that they start tend to be one point of view only. They now have financial agreements with over 150 colleges and universities. They've spent tens of millions of dollars to get their point of view instilled in classrooms, among faculty members, and in students. Over time, hundreds of thousands of students are directly exposed to Koch brothers' ideology and political points of view. My response to that, Mr. Greenwald, is I can't believe it. I had no idea. What else can you tell us? Well, look, these, these guys are not stupid, and they are funding colleges. They fund, by the way, over 150 colleges around the country. And one thing I think we can do, Ed, is encourage all the viewers to call their college, find out, number one, are they getting Coke money? And number two, most importantly, are there strings attached? Because at Florida State University, at Utah, at Clemson, at other places where we've been able to uncover the paperwork, they have direct control over hiring professors,
curriculum, papers that are written and presented, and if they don't like any of those, they're able to withdraw their money. So that at a time when colleges desperately need funds, they are holding this money up and forcing their ideology on them. Uh, and then, of course, they get people uh, who are so-called experts, in a sense, being bought off or written the kind of report that they want to support the projects that they want. Is that a bridge too far? No, not at all. It's exactly what they do, Ed. And it's on paper. I mean, we have the contracts, and it basically says the Koch Foundation, through their advisory committee, controls and decides which professors get hired, what they teach, and how they implement it. We had a screening in Florida uh, the other day with the wonderful students down there and Progress Florida and Florida Watch Action who were refusing to take this attack on academic freedom and they're going at them very strongly and they're saying no, we will not be yeah. bought off. We Adam Greenwald on Ed show on the Ed show and he's got a um a documentary that's coming up, and I would suggest that everybody find it and take a look at it. And um, because there are 150 colleges, you know, 21 billion dollars buys a lot of influence. And these particular think tanks have sparked this movement, and they, this is a battle for the minds of our youth. You remember they were accusing Obama of trying to indoctrinate the children when he was simply trying to speak to them. Well, the Koch brothers are guilty of this indoctrination. Only they are buying the college itself. They are offering funding and thus they're trying to control who teaches, what they teach, and how they teach it. And they are, they are being exposed as to what they are doing. We've been slow. We've been dysfunctional. We've been negligent. And that's how ALEC has been able to craft so much of the legislation that we see now has been signed into law by radical governors. The voters' suppression bills throughout the nation, the immigration bills throughout the nation. Chris Kobach authored the Arizona Papers Only Bill. He also authored the Alabama Immigration Bill. All, each state has had their own huge problems. Alabama lost billions of dollars in uh, revenue from uh, the inability to harvest their produce. And the farmers are basically angry. But the one thing that should protect the American taxpayers is bailing these farmers out from the ignorance of their state legislators. Now, let's face it. The people who are paying or footing this bill for the starvation of revenue to the states are public employees, teachers, firemen, policemen, prison guards, janitors, any public workers are feeling the pinch because getting rid of public jobs is the agenda 
and that's what's keeping unemployment high. But there aren't enough surrogates telling the public that this is what the Republicans are doing, and the next hostage is the tax repeal, the payroll tax credit. They are not going to pass it unless Obama passes the XL pipeline. And if Obama has any sense, he'll stand his ground and point the finger at the Republicans, not Congress, the Republicans. It's the Republicans, stupid, not the Congress. It's the Republicans in the Senate with the filibuster, not the whole Senate. Can someone please tell me why he simply can't do that? They're already pointing the finger accusing you of class warfare, campaigning on separating Americans, Well, why can't you simply roll your sleeves up, put a little grease on your face, and turn into the fight? Because I think it's well worth it. I think it's well worth it. And uh, as um, I find many, many aborting shows that I sit in on, I find them to be totally foreign to what I do and what I see, so I'm going to take a break. And as I go out, I'll hopefully this is a good choice.
say if you want a wish to come true, never tell anyone. But there is one wish that can make the difference between life and death. And this wish can only come true if you tell someone. Please let your family know you want to be an organ donor. Because our society is only as strong as all its individuals, the United Negro College Fund has helped educate thousands of doctors and researchers, but we need more. Thousands of architects and engineers, but we need more. Thousands of teachers and biologists, but we need more. And when disease, injustice, pollution, poverty, and countless other problems threaten to pull us apart, we had better educate every single person who has the potential to solve our problems. And to educate more people, we need more of your help. Give to the United Negro College Fund. With so much at stake, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Thank you for being with us here tonight. I'm Janice Grant. We'll be right back. And welcome back. I'm Alpha. I'm sitting in for Janice Graham. It is my pleasure to sit in for Janice Graham on Our Common Ground. Um, I found a very interesting, um, a very interesting uh, story, and it was it basically concerned the um, recess appointment and the recess appointment that President Obama made with uh, a couple of weeks ago when he uh, appointed, uh, I believe it's Richard Cordry to the um, Consumer Financial Protection Division. And um, it wasn't a matter of whether he was qualified. It was more of a matter of they weren't going to accept anyone. They don't want anyone in that position. They want the agency itself to go away. They don't want to fund it. They don't want to do anything to help this agency along. And one of the things that I found that was very, very interesting, almost juvenile, childlike, is the fact that you have a second senator. The first senator was old Chuck Grassley, and they had a picture of old Chuck Grassley, and Chuck Grassley was sitting there with this how-dare-you-ninja look on his face. And he vowed one thing. He vowed revenge. And this is how the story, this is literally how the story shaped up, that there would be no more nominees, no nominees 
get through on anything for any reason, any kind, anyhow. Put your finger in your ears and simply take your ball and go home. Well, this is, um, I mean, you would say, well, one guy, you know, he's got a stick up his behind, or he's this, or he's that. But now you have a second one. Um, Senator, is it Mike Lee? (laughs) He's joining Grassley. And he's joining Grassley... Uh, following up on Senator Grassley's threat to lash out at President Obama's decision to make four necessary recess appointments by seeking revenge against Obama's other nominees, Tea Party Senator Mike Lee of Utah used a Judiciary Committee hearing yesterday to make a similar threat. Now, he's in a committee hearing. And he used that as a platform to pass on this threat and to let everybody know, you ninja, we'll see about this. We'll see about those recess appointments. We're not going to allow them to go. Here's a short bit of that, and I hope you can hear this. So given this president's blatant and egregious disregard for both constitutional procedures and for the Senate's unquestioned role in such appointments, I find myself duty-bound to resist the consideration and approval of additional nominations until the President takes steps to remedy the situation. Regardless of precisely what course I choose to take, the President uh, uh, will not continue to enjoy uh, the same nearly complete cooperation unless or until he rescinds is unconstitutional recess appointments. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Complete cooperation. Now, let me get this straight. This president has recess appointed 32 people because they have simply been holding them up. He has lost some fine people, Don Johnson. I would have loved to see Don Johnson get the nomination to the Department of Justice. Maybe. She could have got some backbone into that weak, limp Eric Holder because she is an aggressive Justice Department. She would have been an aggressive Justice Department. She's a very aggressive prosecutor and the whole nine yards. But because this president has been simply trying to adhere to the Constitution, you know, the Constitution, you know, George Bush recess-appointed 171 nominees, the President Obama, 32. I think that should be his go-ahead, his go signal, to recess appoint the rest of the over 180 nominees that they are already, they've been holding up 184. He recess appoints four of them. And he gets these threats from these two senators to hell with them. To hell with them. Blatant and egregious disregard for proper constitutional procedure and Senate unquestioned role in such appointments. Well, I say tell them to go to hell. 
and recess appoint each and every one of your nominees, regardless of their hold, and continue to send nominees. And when they hold them up, recess appointment again. Recess appoint them again. And fight this threat. And tell them flat out, you don't threaten me, you threaten your mama. Tell them flat out, you don't threaten me, you you threaten your child. It's time. It is past time to stand up to these people who would, are going to so petty that they're willing to undermine the judicial system, and all of the government agencies that are needed to operate because they didn't get what they want. I'm not, (laughs) I wouldn't be mad at him. And the rhetoric he's talking to get reelected, I hope he'll stick to it and simply break out with something other than some type of capitulation. I would simply hope that this could turn into a scenario where he fights fire with fire. Give them the same, give them the same, give as good as you get. Give as good as you get. Take us to a a new level of confrontation. Because you seem to be the only one taking all of the incoming. All of the incoming is you got the Wicked Witch of the West shaking her finger in your face. 347-838-9852. Open mic night. Open mic. Say what you want to say. There's no topic that we don't or won't touch on. Tell me something good. Tell me that it matters not who's on the other side of the aisle. That either way they will never cooperate with them. Did you see Rick Santorum? He's on one home and he's got to do his taxes. <laughs> He's done, but won't admit it. He's done, but he won't admit it. And, oh, Rick Santorum also says that he never bought into the global warming hoax. I've, you know, I've never seen a group. Michelle Bachman's, uh, the Rick Perry. The Rick Perry's of the world. My goodness. And how did that story go? How did that story go with Rick Perry? Let's see. At home in Texas, Perry gets a rocky welcome. <laughs> this is from Reuters. And Perry says Perry has gotten a rocky welcome home to Texas, facing low poll numbers and criticism over state expenses related to his failed campaign for Republican presidential nomination. Travel for Perry's security team 
cost the state nearly $800,000 between September and November, according to a new report from the State Department of Public Safety. The money paid for airfare, food, hotels for the governor's protective detail during trips, both in Texas and to out-of-state locations such as Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Manchester, New Hampshire, the longest-serving governor in Texas history, was briefly the front-runner among the Republican presidential contenders, but he stumbled with poor debate performances and gaffes including his memorable oops. Well, he also thought Salandra was a country. I really thought that uh, he would come in and take Newt down. But um, you're talking about dumber than a bag of hair. That's this man, dumb, dumb. He gave dumb a bad name. And to me... No wonder he wouldn't debate his uh, opponents as he's run for governor and been elected. What does that say about Texas? Damn. Just damn. Rick Perry. Hang him high. Hang him high. What, did, what is it that you need to know about Rick Perry? How did... And, and, you know, I I thought, you know, I really thought that there was a little, you know, hyperbole in the guy who uh, wrote the book, and the name of the book was Adios Mofo, Why Rick Perry Will Make You Miss George W. Bush. And he was spot on because Rick Perry has to be the dumbest, the dumbest candidate. I mean, he's really just, he's a close, real close second to a Sarah Palin and a Michelle Bachman. Well, that's third, really. But he may even have eclipsed, at least, at least Michelle Bachman could, however stupid, she would look as though she believed it. She would look dead in the camera and say stupid. But Rick Perry, he just, uh Herman Cain, Michelle Bachman. I really miss Herman and Michelle Bachman. And I miss um, Michelle Bachman because of her husband. I am an avid listener to um, Stephanie Miller. And they have this clip of this gay guy singing. And it's just, every time they mention the name Marcus Bachman, they would play this little this little 30-second piece, and it's just it's just unreal. For breaking the ice and a little levity in the morning. So I, re- I miss those people. I, I really do. And you see a Herman Cain. Now, can somebody tell me, why was Herman Cain walking around with Colbert? and waving as though he was still in the race and sucking up the attention and sucking up the glory when uh, he's done. He's done. So what was all of that about? Why would he appear in his pimp hat 
with Stephen Colbert. Somebody please explain that to me. Why would you further embarrass yourself by hanging out with a person who was simply making a mockery of the process and of the Citizens United and of you? And you just fear that that is one of the things that you will always be able to point to as this man simply being the lawn jockey, the organ grinder monkey. You know, the organ grinder used to, you know, turn the crank on that little box organ and he'd send the monkey up the pole with the cup to collect the coins. That's Herman Cain. But I guess the Koch brothers pay well. They pay well. <laughs> Y'all ought to stop. Y'all ought to stop. Uh, I'm going to the chat room. Let's see. <laughs> India declare. Shame on you. <laughs> Thank you. The hat is straight pimp. And where is the purple crushed velvet cape? Oh, yeah. Oh, now you want to turn him into Huggy Bear. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. You want the job, don't you? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Like I said, it's open mic. Get it off your chest. Simply tell me what you want everyone to know about. (laughs) But as long as no one, you can't top this. Because I respect the hardworking people of Wisconsin, I will continue to be a good steward of the taxpayer's dollar. said it with such passion. (laughs) Uh, And for those of you who haven't seen the clip, uh, that was uh, from the Ed Show. And the clip showed the the, uh, other legislators sitting there, and they were looking toward at the governor. And when the lady screamed, they looked up at her, and you could see the smile, the grin on all of their faces. And everyone was trying to hold that grin in. Everyone was trying to keep from busting out and laughing. But that is classic. That is classic. Because if he's bold enough to stand there and tell that lie, someone should be bold enough to call him out on that lie. He's And it, 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 it worked perfectly. It was perfect. Does a hard good. <laughs> it does a hard good to see that and to hear that type of response to an obvious liar. And as I spoke earlier today about the art of the lie, you hear this over and over again about what these people are, who they represent, or what they want to do. And you have to ask yourself, what, 
what is this? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And you get to a point where you can hear it. You can hear it over and over again, but can you believe it? Can you believe it? Newt Gingrich wants Newt Gingrich wants to go to the moon. Now, let's see. We don't have money to keep teachers employed. We are bleeding firemen and police officers. We don't have money to run street lights in some of the cities. We don't have money for infrastructure repair. We don't have money to put the teachers and policemen back to work. We don't have money. But Newt wants to go to the moon. Newt stands there as though I'm smarter than everybody else, frankly, frankly. And what was that? I saw a comment on uh, the question came up in the debate about why your wife would make the best first lady. And I thought I would scream because just as that lady yelled, liar, I thought when Newt began to speak, someone was going to scream, the garden tool. (laughs) You know, you have to hand it to Callista. She's already beaten the other two women in the primaries. Oh, yeah. She got her catch. But look at what she got. Look at what she got. And as Newt offers up the insane, insane comparisons to himself and the president, he speaks of Saul Alinsky. I played this earlier today, but I would be remiss if I didn't play it again. Because it's apropos. Listen to Newt Gingrich. You heard the name of one man repeated again and again, Saw Alinsky. The debate we're going to have with President Obama over the next eight or nine months, the outlining of the two Americas, the America of the Declaration of Independence, the America of Saul Alinsky, to clearly take Barack Obama on, on at every level, take him on on values, uh, where he is a, is a Saul Alinsky radical. But the centerpiece of this campaign, I believe, is American exceptionalism versus the radicalism of Saul Alinsky. He draws his from Saul Alinsky, radical left-wingers, and people who don't like the classical America. He represents a big government, Saul Alinsky, radical vision of an American future, the values that he believes in, the Saul Alinsky radicalism. If you're for European socialism and Saul Alinsky radicalism, you're with Barack Obama. Well, Saul Alinsky was a community organizer who helped the poor and disenfranchised organize so they could better, better their lives. And he laid out this process in his most famous book, Rules for Radicals, a pragmatic primer for realistic radicals. That was the book 
full title. The book was published in 1971, and Alinsky died in 1972. So why is he in the political bloodstream right now? Melinda Hennenberger is a political reporter for the Washington Post and anchors the blog She the People. Lynn Sweet covers politics for the Chicago Sun-Times. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on. I've been wanting to get this straight. William F. Buckley, godfather of the conservative movement, said Alinsky is very close to being an organizational genius. Freedom work leader, the Tea Party group run by Dick Army, gives Alinsky's book to its top leadership members to study. A spokesman for Freedom Work said this, his tactics when it comes to grassroots organizing are incredibly effective. And this photo, by the way, shows George Romney, Mitt's father, meeting with Alinsky in September 67, two months after the Detroit riots. And in it, George Romney, in the biography, says in Romney's way, the elder Romney's quoted as saying to his white allies, I think you ought to listen to Alinsky. Well, this is so fascinating, Melinda. I always thought of Alinsky as not a left-wing, uh, you know, zealot, a zealous ideologue, certainly no Trotsky, no real lefty. No. And yet just sort of a guy that people like, you know, Nick Von Hoppen worked for, my friend, helped poor people organize so they could have a voice, just like the Tea Party does on the right. Well, you know, I mean, I think he was a leftist. He was influenced by uh, the father of Italian communism, Antonio Gramsci. But his goals and everything he laid out in this book, Rules for Radicals, really were to take the power away from the haves and give it to the have-nots. I think the reason you hear those conservatives who have obviously studied this work very closely um, praising it is that it's so effective. What he says in these 13 rules that he lays out, he says, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. Well, you know, you don't hear Barack Obama using ridicule. You do, though, hear Newt Gingrich using ridicule to pretty good effect. Another one of his rules is um, a good strategy is a strategy your people enjoy. Which, you know, Alinsky loved to have these big, outrageous uh, demonstrations and tactics. Like, one of his favorites was when he had people come and dump garbage on the property of someone who had not been a, an official in Chicago who had not been responsive to garbage pickup. You know, is that Barack Obama? No. He does things like urge people to call their member of Congress. Um, yeah. I, I, again, when he says, I think Alinsky's biggest rule, number 13, is to freeze it, polarize it, convince people that all the devils are on one side, all the angels are on the other. That's the exact opposite well, of Barack me. Obama. Right, right. Barack Obama does not live in a Manichaean world where all the other guys on the other side are bad guys and all the other people on his side are angels. Lynn Sweet, you cover Chicago politics. Uh, again, I think, I, think, I think Melinda nailed it. The people who use Alinsky's really tough tactics of organization and politics are the right, who make everybody on the, on the left or center left evil, not just different in terms of their judgments. A absolutely. I mean, I think Newt, who, who says he's a historian, needs to do some more research here. Uh, Saul Alinsky had, does not, never wanted to overthrow the system. He wanted to change it so that everybody had a fair shake. He didn't want to destroy the table. He wanted everybody to have a seat on it, Chris. And that's what he did in his earliest days of yeah. organizing in Chicago. I think 
think he uses the word Alinsky, not because it, it sounds a Jewish name, it sounds like a Jewish name, and it is. I think he uses it to sort of suggest Trotsky. I think he wants it to sound like a name. All right, you never really heard of this guy, but he sounds like Trotsky. He sounds like somebody. But here's another thing. I don't think 90% or 99% of the people hear him say Solinsky have any knowledge of the guy, but it sounds well, I, like Trump. I asked some people. Yeah. I was just in South Carolina, Chris, and I did ask people because he had been using this. And I talked to people. I was in his, his uh, election night. Uh, hotel, and he used, you know, you did the bike from that. I said, do you know who Salinsky is? People don't. I want to add one more thing. Uh, Salinsky yeah. could also sound, I think it, organizing sounds like union. Uh, conservatives, these conservative candidates, Newt Gingrich, are not union friendly. That's another reason. But I just want to point out that Alinsky, Newt is more like Alinsky right now than anyone else. Anti-establishment, populist. Yeah. Newt Alinsky got well, to Chicago. Lynn, here's your point made beautifully by Newt himself. He's trained his anger on what he calls the elites of Washington and New York. In fact, the Alinsky would approve of, you know, making the other side the all-powerful evils. Let's listen. So many people who are so concerned about jobs, about medical costs, about the everyday parts of life, and who feel that the elites in Washington and New York have no understanding, no care, no concern, no reliability, and in fact do not represent them at all. Melinda, you write about it how, they, how Alinsky's tactic was to rub raw the anger and the, and the resentments of people disenfranchised. It sounds like Newton is how to do it. Exactly. And in the beginning, you think, well, you know, what could be more elite than bringing up, as you say, the name of this obscure guy, Saul Alinsky, you know, that somebody heard in a seminar. Although, it's not new for a lot of conservatives to hear about Saul Alinsky because people like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity have been talking about Saul Alinsky for a while. So people who are really into movement conservatism actually have heard this before. Well, I actually, put it right up with food stamp president. I'm much tougher than you guys. Well, I think you use code. It, it is, is a great okay. use of ridicule, too. It, it anyway, is Melinda, thank you so much. Well, let me say this. When you get right down to it, we have to, you have to be able to understand that this is about accusing them of what you're most guilty of. And that's exactly what, what, what that is. He raises Saul. How many times did you hear him say Saul Alinsky? As he used the very technique that he so decries, that he so, that he basically accuses the president of doing. And this is the art of the lie. This is the art of the spin. And it's not brilliance. This isn't brilliance. A 10-year-old can tell a lie like that. This is not some type of mental worthiness. This doesn't fall into the category of smart. It simply falls into the category of barefaced liar. And could these people be any more disconnected from reality? The response, the rebuttal to the president. State of the Union by Mitch Daniels, who's waging war against unions in his own state and turning his state into a right-to-work state, the right to work for less, 
the right to work for less. And that's exactly what he's done. That's exactly what they do. Here's a piece from just some of the, just just one or two of these lies that Mitch Daniels was propagating. Going to talk tonight, anti-union, Indiana Governor Mitch Daniels. Back at it again, trying to respond to the President's State of the Union address last night. The main purpose of Daniels' speech was to convince Americans President Obama is actually lying when he says the economy is improving, even though the facts tell us otherwise. Part of Daniels' argument was the bogus idea that President Obama is anti-business. Contrary to the President's constant disparagement of people in business, it's one of the noblest of human pursuits. The late Steve Jobs, what a fitting name he had, created more of them than all those stimulus dollars the president borrowed in blue. Come on, Mitch. Why don't you jump in this race? We'd love to have you. Apple creates plenty of jobs, but not in America. An article in Sunday's New York Times reports, Apple employs 43,000 people in the United States of America, most in the retail division. But there are 700,000 people who manufacture Apple products like iPads and iPhones, and almost none of them work in the United States of America. Meanwhile, the Congressional Budget Office estimates the President's stimulus spending directly created or saved at least 1.4 million jobs, 32 and a half times the number of Apple jobs in the country you're in right now, the great U.S. of A. And the New York Times columnist Paul Krugman also points out Obama's auto loan just by itself saved a lot more jobs than Apple's U.S. employment. Since June of 2009, the American automobile industry has added back, added back more than 170,000 jobs, almost four times more than U.S. employees that Apple has in this country. So, for Mitch Daniels to say Steve Jobs created more American jobs than President Obama is mathematically incorrect psycho talk. There you go. For him to stand there and speak what he has to know is a lie is the art of the lie. Tell the lie that everyone knows is a lie and tell it with a straight face. And Obama's always bad has been bashing business as business sees the highest profits it has in decades. As they enjoy the lowest taxes that they have in decades. Yes. Business hates him because business understands it's not their man in the White House. He may have made decisions and taken money from Goldman Sachs and kept Geithner on and had Larry Summers in the house. So why do they hate him if he's gone along with their plan? Now that the stock market is back over twelve thousand, it's actually over twelve thousand four or five hundred. Up from sixty seven hundred, it's just about doubled. The Chamber of Commerce hides behind the curtains to undermine this president. The Chamber of Commerce will be once they unravel this ball of string. At the core of all of this is not only the Koch brothers, 
It's the Koch brothers, the Chamber of Commerce, the Republican Party, and many of these corporations, they're at the core of the undermining of this president. It is essential that this man be reelected. For all of you who's waiting on the truth, for all of you who's waiting on a more progressive, do so at your own peril. I'm, you know, I can't. Uh, Godspeed, God bless. Go with what you know. Hang on for your own truths. You may not be the per the, the the most perfect. It's all you got to ride with. And if you don't see that, something else is wrong. But what Newt Gingrich is accomplishing, he's bloodying up Mitt Romney to the point of no return. He's exposing Mitt Romney as the fraud that he is. He's basically doing the job on Mitt Romney and that the Obama campaign won't have to do. All they will have to do is buy the news time. And with what you've seen Mitt Romney do to Newt Gingrich, he doesn't have any facts on his side. Against Obama, he only has speculation and his opinion and his hyperbole of what this president believes in and what this president will do and what this president stands for and stark difference to your lying eyes. Are you going to believe the liar Mitt Romney or are you going to believe what you see? And somebody tell me, this was a story I saw a couple of, a couple of days ago. What is this uh, baptizing of your dead relatives? What is that? What is it? Do they dig them up and pour water on them? They've already taken a dirt bath. Leave them rest. I've always found that to be a oxymoron. Nobody resting. They did. So how do you baptize Romney's father-in-law, who was dead for 14 years? How do you baptize him? You gonna pour water on the headstone? How does that happen? And how does that differ from a cult? Yeah, I said it. Damn right, I said it. I just don't have Scooby here to back it up, or Nelson Muntz, or anyone here to back it up. Only person that comes close to backing it up for me is the liar lady. Liar! <laughs> Someone give me a break. Someone give me a break. On a programming note, I want you all to make sure you tune in to the I Declare Show, Mondays through Fridays, 11 o'clock Central Time, I Declare, Real Raw Right Now, 
11 o'clock Eastern Time here at Blog Talk Radio. And I also want you all to stay tuned for Pastor Peter E. Matthews on Mondays at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. And get the spiritual in you. And stay around for Elvin Dowling, Architects of Change. 9 o'clock Eastern Time here at TruthWorks Network. Elvin is a motivational speaker. Elvin is someone you can relate to because he's a young brother who is on uh, a great road of success of his own. His mentor, um, uh, what's the brother's name, Brown? Les Brown. Uh, And as a motivational speaker, i got to say that that is a particular field where you have to have a a collection of words at your beck and call. You must have a vocabulary that's extensive. Because if you've heard some of the uh, uh, some of the uh, phrases that Les Brown has come up with, and and they're excellent. I think um, Les Brown has always been a great motivational speaker. But and he's turned out so many uh, disciples. And um, Elvin Dowling is a good motivational speaker. And um, Architects of Change, as he tries to instill in you the positives of you can do. So don't forget to check out Elvin Dowling. And don't forget that on Thursdays and Fridays, at 10 o'clock Eastern Time, it's Enter the Lion's Den um, with Information Man. They have a particular swagger that um, most of you can enjoy. Although I have uh, heard about some verbal conflicts breaking out. <laughs> As you have people who simply agree to disagree. It's healthy. And, of course, I visit you on Saturday afternoons, the Alpha Show, push back political talk, just damn. And that's what I want it to be because uh, there are times when I feel like uh, there's only one thing that is important in talk radio. It's not the only thing you can talk about. How many of you watched uh, American Idol? (laughs) Didn't see it? Sorry. Can't help you. Look, when you get right down to it, this is what we have to look forward to. Look for a week, and it's going to be interesting to see if Newt gets any more money. Romney's outspending him 5-1 to in Florida, and he's beating him down. He's beaten down the angry attack muffin, but that doesn't mean that he's going to go away. I think he's uh, going to get some money from somewhere, but the Republican establishment has come out in force. They've come out like a like a beat-down army. And if any of you have seen the earlier, the original movies, Planet of the Apes, if you remember how the apes, 
have this um, net as they beat the bush to beat the humans out and run them into the trap. Um, this is uh, what the Republican establishment is doing to Newt Gingrich because they want him out before he totally, he's bloody in the nose of Mitt Romney. They don't want him to break his nose. But uh, Romney has broken his own. Corporations are people, my friend. My friend. I like firing people. People who give me services. I like firing them. No, 374000 That's not much. $10,000 bet? I mean, it, it goes on and on. How much tone deaf... How much more tone deaf can you be? And even with Mitt Romney, you paint him as a one percenter. You talk about his offshore dealings, his Cayman Island hidings. He's not even paying 15%. He's paying 13.9. And I guarantee you that if he's sold, forced, to release more tax returns. Now, don't forget, he gave John McCain 28 years of tax returns. I dare say he he wouldn't dare do the same for President Obama. And they should they should be demanding more tax returns, especially in the wake of his um, I would have to say his false disclosure statements that are mandatory, that are, he legally has to uh, supply. He supplied some bad disclosure statements. And still on the board, I see a 908. I hope 908 is just listening on the mobile device uh, because I tried to click them in once before. And I would say that is the case because um, according to the whole timer, 908 has been on the board for 57 minutes. (laughs) So, of course, they're listening. Silly me. Look, we can take this as far as it can go. We can listen (laughs) listen to the carnival, the circus. See the bearded lady. See the man turn and change into a gorilla. See the man with three arms. These are the carnival freak show. These are the carnival barkers who want to be president. Government is bad. Government is no good. But I want to head the government. How simple. How much how disingenuous. Can a Republican be of right about now? How embarrassed do they have to be? Michelle Bachman, a front runner. Herman Cain, a front runner. Donald Trump, just front. He's not even a runner. Whatever the hell that is on his head. Look at the front runners. Rick Perry, front runner. Newt Gingrich, everybody quit on him. He became a front runner. Now he's falling back out of the pack. 
Rick Frothy Santorum. Google him. Google Santorum. Or why don't I simply give you the definition in party? <laughs> why don't I simply tell you what you will find if you Google Santorum? You know, that'd be too much of a shock on a Saturday night. Do you think that that would go over well? Why don't we just, well, no, I won't do that. The boss will get me. And you know I don't need any trouble from the boss. Like I said, our prayers and our wishes go out to Janice Graham, hoping that everything is going to be all right. So when we get right down to it, I'm coming up to about a minute left. I don't know. All right, 90 seconds left. <laughs> I don't know how she closes it. But I'll say this. And like I close my show. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. Join Janice next week, hopefully next week. I don't know how the schedule is, but um, we'll be here regardless. And thank you all for joining. I want to thank Brother Brock. I want to thank Covina Man. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank you all for participating, especially those in the chat room. Everyone have a great Saturday night. The moon is bright. <laughs> Good night, all. Thank you.